Welcome to the CameraTech Podcast, episode 64. And before we get into today's episode, let me just remind you that if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, you can find our lovely faces in full Technicolor over on YouTube. Um, just hit youtube.com forward slash CameraShake. Um, and once you're there, why don't you just hit the subscribe button, ring the bell, all of the good stuff that YouTubers usually tell you to do. But once you've done that, you can come back and listen to the rest on audio. How's that? Anyway, so let's get started. Episode 64, the Camera Shake Podcast. And today's special guest is none other than the multi-award winning documentary wedding photographer, co-host of the TalkPod podcast, photography speaker, and mental health ambassador, Alex Benyon. Alex, how are you? I'm not doing too bad at all. Thank you very much, guys. How are you? We are exhausted, yeah. but we're good. <laughs> good, good. Thank <laughs> you for always. having me on. Really appreciate it. Cool. Well, thank you for coming on. I can see you're, um, by your empty shelves in the background that you're, you're just in the middle of moving house. Yes, literally, uh, the house is packed. The removal men come first thing tomorrow morning. Uh, and uh, yeah, I feel absolutely shattered. But uh, the, the end is in sight uh, and it's all going to be worth it. I'll, I'll be honest, I thought that was an actual set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's my minimalist office. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, everybody seems to be going minimalist these days. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm, apparently I'm not. I don't really know. No, like, no. I like clutter. Yeah, yeah. Good thing. What happens after every every episode we film? Nick, why don't you just leave this out right in the middle of my living room? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's the point? <laughs> we, we make these every week. I mean, why would you like? <laughs> because I can barely get out the door. <laughs> well, there's a still. See, this is the thing. If if we were filming this at my house, we would literally keep this set set up for the whole week, and that'll be it. It makes sense. I, I, I agree. I think that's a, the best way. Just live around it. Exactly. Yeah. Do you know how much trouble you'd be in? Well, I mean, you know, nothing would survive for like a week with my kids around. No, sure. no, and the so, dog. Yeah, no. Mm. Maybe not such a good idea. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I mean, you know, again, like, thank you so much for coming on to, onto the show, uh, even though you're in the middle of moving. So I know that's going to be quite a stressful time. No, it, uh, so when uh, I was a fan of... Uh, fun of the podcast and um some of my friends have been on so like tommy reynolds and yeah. um i think hannah cousins as well has been on and yeah um mm -hmm. so yeah so to get invited it was uh yeah really really nice and uh yeah just uh i just hope i've got the the mental capacity uh to 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 be able to sort of give a good uh a good interview today because uh like i say i just i, I can't remember being this time. i've got a three-year-old daughter as well so mm -hmm. just yeah bear with me if i suddenly just blank and stare off into the distance yeah. i'm just having a, a very minor breakdown but i'll be back <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, moving house with kids is is, is hard okay. that's what i've heard. can't be easy no yeah. no luckily we've got um we've got grandparents where we're moving to so we've just shipped her off there for yeah. the last few days and uh yeah, that's definitely helped. Otherwise, it, I just couldn't imagine trying to pack with a, a three-year-old just doing everything that you've done. Mm. Um, but yeah, we're we're getting there. We're getting there. Did you use, did you use it as an opportunity to get rid of a lot of stuff? Oh gosh, yeah. Yesterday, I did a trip to our local tip, and there was literally just enough room for me to get into the driver's seat. It was <laughs> yeah. jammed full of all sorts of stuff. And you're like, where has this been hiding for the last few years? But yeah, yeah. yeah it's definitely a great opportunity just to get rid of a load of rubbish. Yeah. And uh, 
Yeah. I'm such a terrible hoarder. I hoard everything. Like in terms of like, let, let's say, you know, take photography gear uh, as an example. Like I will keep the boxes to everything. So do I. I yeah. keep it for resale. <laughs> I do. I could, I've got boxes for all my audio gear, all my, yeah. all my camera gear, everything like that. All of it. All of it. I've got mountains and mountains yeah. of them. It takes up a considerable uh, space in my attic, actually. And I do sell stuff all the time. Regularly. Yeah, you do. I, so I never sell stuff. That's, well, rarely. Really, I, I I only do it to fund something else normally, yeah. but uh, otherwise, if I haven't used it for a year, it's going. Have you ever sold a guitar? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. That's that's in a different category. I think guitars. I sold I sold one guitar once when I was a kid or like a teenager, and I sold it because it was a really crappy guitar, and I sold it to somebody I really didn't like. Oh, you are a treasure <laughs> of a person. I know, right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I sold all of my guitars to fund my camera kit. Did you? Oh, yeah, yeah. You, well, you another fellow the... Oh yeah, he's way back, sort of before before my life as a photographer. I was a uh, yeah gigging musician and went to music college and ah. did the rounds and did the wedding band scene and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and right. then uh, yeah, just just in the end, just was like I've had enough. I've yeah, had I enough understand and... that. I'm yeah. I'm I'm still in that scene. Um, so I'm in a, a function band every weekend. Mm. Well, not for the last eighteen months, but um, yeah, it's been quite a, a challenging eighteen months because with no gigs, no income from that. Yeah, um, and that made up you know a portion of my 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 uh, my monthly income. And um, you know we've just been starting to get back up to speed again last uh, last few weeks mm. already. Gigs first gig set. A month ago, when uh, the original last lot of lockdown restrictions were due to end, and another month worth of cancellations came in as yeah. soon as uh, it got extended. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. We've talked that one to death. So, but uh, I know we're getting to... there. We're getting there. Yeah, it seems to be picking up again, though. Yeah, yeah, we're getting there. It's um, it's it's looking really, really positive, and that's how we're taking it. We've used it as an opportunity to change things up and mm. do things a slightly different way. Yeah, there we go. So I think, I, mean, <clears throat> I think I'm I'm not too dissimilar from you actually. Um I like so you know, I sort of um unchained myself from from the sort of gigging landscape uh when I went into like professional photography, as it were. And uh, I have to say, it's actually been a massive weight off of my shoulders. Yeah. You yeah. know, not having to deal with that. I mean, you know, you're still trying to get photography gigs in a weird way, but it's it's quite different from from playing music so tell you what and it pays better it, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you'll know from it like um doing sort of if you've if you've gigged at a wedding you'll you'll be there till one two in the morning mm -hmm. and if it's a long way away you've probably set off at 10 o'clock at night uh, in the morning you've got there early you've spent all day there and you're getting a fraction of what the photographer's getting and they, yeah. they're leaving at like 10 o'clock at night and you're just not even starting the second set and you're like, I'm doing the wrong job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's oh. let's see, yeah, let's not, let's not go down that because that's, <laughs> that's so depressing. <laughs> yeah, it really, really is. But you know, that's actually, that's actually why I don't really shoot weddings. I mean, I, you know, I shoot weddings when somebody asks me, maybe a friend or something, but I don't really, really shoot weddings. And mainly because... I've played so many weddings in the past that I'm mm. really, I'm mm. weddinged out, I think. <laughs> you oh. know, that's usually, yeah. that's usually the thing. I actually can't stand them. Is that wrong? Well, weddings. I hate them now. Well, 
I mean, I'm fascinated. I've been to probably a thousand now. Yeah. And- <laughs> I mean, I'm fa- you know, I'm, fasc- I'm fascinated when I see, um, you know, wedding photography, such as, you know, your photography, for example. Um, and I see, like, you know, like the, the artistry and the craft that goes into creating those images, you know. And then at the same time, I'm scared as hell with the responsibility that, that, that you have as a wedding mm. photographer. Because mm-hmm. you're creating these, these photographs of somebody's, like, super special day, you know. And it's just like I always say, this is my ultimate nightmare is like, you know, having to shoot a we- like a wedding on film. Oh, yeah. What? <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like, ah. Uh... No, I, I, I couldn't imagine going back to the uh, the old school wedding photographers and just having like pockets full of film and just, yeah. no, no, thank you. And just not knowing whether you got the shot. Yeah. You know? That's, yeah. At least at least now you can, you can check the back of the camera and you can be like, yep, yeah, didn't hit focus. Let's try again. Yeah. In those days, it's like fingers crossed. A week later, yeah. <laughs> Did you get the first kiss? Uh, I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. It wasn't in focus, but I got it. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> oh, it's where you don't get it. You phone up the groom. Say, right, little issue. Didn't get that. Uh, can I borrow you in your wedding gear? And can we, can we go gate crash another wedding? And you just plant one on the bride. And I'll get a shot of that so you can't see her face and we'll make up for it that way. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's really the thing, you know, with... It's really impossible to recreate anything like that. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's... the Say the, the style of wedding photography that I do is very much that sort of as it happens. And mm. I never really sort of get involved or or tell them what to do because if if something happens and i miss it and then i say oh do it again it won't be the same it won't be yeah. natural it, it it will feel forced so it's just constantly sort of like being in the zone and kind of feeling what's happening during the wedding and the cameras are always on and i'm sort of just ready to grab it and and sort of take a shot and after you've done it so many times you start to kind of get a sort of sixth sense for when something's about to happen and um but yeah i just i don't do any sort of posed stuff and it's all natural light and um and i think that's and that's why i think a lot of people get me to come and do their weddings because they don't want that sort of traditional photography Mm. and they might not particularly feel comfortable doing all the poses in front of the camera and going off for the couple's portraits with lights and gels and things like that. But they want good photography of their wedding, but they don't want the photographer to be sort of involved and sort of, um, you know, controlling the day sort of thing. So um, I think that's why I really like doing the weddings because you – you get to be involved with someone's special day and be absorbed in all the kind of the love and happiness that's going on and the mm. all the funny stuff and everything like that. You're just a fly on the wall. Mm. And by the end of the evening, you know, everyone's had such a good day, everyone's in a good mood, and you've you've been involved in all of that and you've got to experience it. And then you get to do it again and again and again. And it's just um yeah, for, for me, I just, it, I, I sort of, um, I feed off of it and it puts me in such a good mood when I sort of come home and I see the photos and, you know, if I've caught somebody doing something funny or, you know, 
a kid being cute or something like that. And um, yeah, it just it's um, it's a, for for me, it's a really rewarding uh, genre of photography. Mm. And what you, what you were you were saying there is you, um, about getting that sixth sense. It's you only get that free time. You aren't born with that. You have to do it and do it and do it to build that um, that degree of anticipation as to when something's about to happen. Because you're so used to being in and around the type of things that happen happen at weddings, same is true of uh, concert photography, right? Yeah, that you've, sure. you've done in the past is mm. you've done it so much, you know when someone's probably going to do something. Yeah, I mean, just you know, I always say this: this, this is like for me, it was it was probably the easiest thing in the world um, was to transition from being on stage to being yeah off stage yeah. because you know you have such a good sense of what's about to to go down on on stage that you know it's relatively easy to to sort of foresee where to be um you know especially when you look at people performing on stage you know there's sort of you, the different categories of drummers and different categories of guitarists and bass players and lead singers you know some are very stationary and they're stuck in the same spot and they may be a little bit bouncy some don't move at all some take up the whole width and length of the stage and so once you figure out what somebody's sort of performance persona personality is mm. then it's actually relatively easy to to figure how you know if you've done it yourself so yeah i mean i, I you know I, I was i was performing on stage like for, for 25 years or something you know before i went into um photography and so it was relatively so it was an it, it was like a known environment for me to to get into um and then you know and then i really transitioned from shooting music to like shooting normal people <laughs> i guess <laughs> you know and then I was, I was quite surprised that you could actually take a photo at f8 i remember thinking f8 that's gonna be black where i'm from <laughs> like there's nothing in the picture at f8 you yeah. can't shoot anything at f8 forget about it <laughs> you know so anything past 2.8 it's not gonna happen yeah 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 <laughs> you know? but um so did you how did what made you or what sort of um, what got you to decide that wedding photography was going to be the thing for you to get into? Um, I think when I sort of started photography and was getting into photography, I think like a lot of people, I tried all the genres, um, and I tried landscape photography, and I was rubbish at it, and I found it boring. Um, the act of taking landscape photography i found boring people who do it well it's phenomenal i couldn't mm -hmm. do it well mm -hmm. so i found it boring and um i tried wildlife photography but i didn't have the patience for it like, i want my stuff to happen now and i didn't want to sit for three hours in the wet to get a picture of a like a bird but <laughs> the people that do that well their images are you know phenomenal because they've they've got yeah. that that skill and stuff but yeah i just i just tried loads of stuff but the the genre that originally that i first had a real sort of connection with artistically and also emotionally was street photography and i got really really into street photography and um it was actually part of um a sort of coping mechanism that at the time i was suffering really bad with depression um street photography became sort of like a mindfulness approach to 
uh, coping with what I was going through because I was going outside, I was getting fresh air and it, it was doing me a lot of good. And I was just kind of, I was taking more notice of the world around me. And I love the concept of street photography and the fact that you can go to the same place three times in one day and something different's happening and the light's different and it could be raining in the morning and then it's sunny in the day. And, you know, it's just, you didn't have to talk to anyone. You didn't have to organize anything. You just got onto the street and just took some photos. It, it was perfect for me at the time where I was uh, with my mental health. And um, there was a point in the job that I was in at the time that um, they were basically laying a load of people off. So I was going to be made redundant and loads of people sort of said, are you going to start working as a photographer? And I was like, don't know, maybe I've not been doing it very long. I don't know what, I don't know how I could make money. And people were like, well, do you want to do wedding photography? And I immediately thought of, traditional wedding photography and I was like mm. no 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 that you know it filled me with dread having to sort of do big group poses and you know trying to talk to you know get people involved and stuff I was like where I was at the time I was like that's the last thing I want to do but I went to the photography show and I saw uh, a presentation by the documentary wedding photographer Kevin Mullins and he basically did this presentation all about this this documentary approach to weddings and it's basically it's you know street photography and documentary photography they're kind they're so similar the it's it's they're really just divided that the fact that street photography is about a single image whereas documentary photography is about a series of images but the general sort of approach and techniques and philosophy are very very much shared so looking at his work and just seeing this whole kind of street documentary approach two wedding photographies capturing all that the the stories and emotions and all that kind of stuff it was like it really kind of appealed to me and they, and it seemed like a, a a genuine sort of way that I could earn a living as a photographer but with this sort of street documentary approach um and yeah so just kind of threw myself sort of feet first into it and um yeah, it's been uh, it's been a roller coaster, especially over the last couple of years, um, with everything going on. But um, yeah, it's um, it's definitely something that I think gives me the most reward in terms of creativity from photography. Um, I had a, I've had two portrait studios over the last few years, um, sort of doing corporate headshots and that started to become really apparent that that was just, that was just purely about the money. There was nothing. I wasn't feeling creatively fulfilled from doing corporate headshots and the people that I was photographing didn't care. You know, if you've been, if you've done corporate headshots, you know, you sort of do it and you go, you know, what do you think? Don't really care. Didn't want to have this done, but I've been made to do it. And you're like, Oh, okay. Great. Well, I'm glad you like it. Um, so yeah, don't, you know doc weddings documentary weddings is is um yeah is that is that perfect balance of making a living from photography but also being creatively re rewarded from it you know i think that um that style of wedding photography is and has been for a while the way photography should be done at weddings because those you know i, I talk to you know 
couples and other people at weddings all the, obviously not, not the last 18 months but all the time and the younger generation those in their 20s and those in their 30s who are who were getting married or are due to get married or are thinking about that they're going to get married in, in the future they all say the same thing almost without exception that they want it to look natural completely natural no one seems to care about these forced posed family portraits or whatever like that and it's not about that anymore it just really isn't yes i want to make sure i get a photo of my great grand and all of that absolutely mm. but we're not going to stand you all stiff and proper in over by wherever it is we're gonna where are you you're in the you're in the room you're you're near the band you're there that great we're gonna get that it's gonna look natural it's in the moment and that's that's what they i i think people want from 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 talking to them yeah and i sort of say to the couples that you know, if if you want some group shots, I'll do some group shots, but they're not going to be wow. You know, they'll be, you know, like I did the wedding a couple of weeks ago and they wanted just a few traditional group shots. And I said, great, that's fine, but it'll be a case of, right, stand together, click, stand together, click, done. If you want other pictures during the day, just grab me. I'd, I'd sooner sort of have um like the groom sort of say i want a photo with my best man but sort of as i'm doing photos sort of say quick take a picture and you know they sort of get in an arm wrestle or a headlock Mm. or something like that that's much more personal to their relationship than stood Mm. stiff as a board outside a church so during a wedding i'll have people come over can you take a picture of us two or can you take a picture of the three of us and Mm. that i'm like yeah absolutely you know click but um yeah i just i try to avoid doing a hundred different posed group shots of extended families and all that kind of stuff but there are and that's not to put a negative on traditional wedding photographers and there are some amazing wedding photographers that can do bride and groom portraits that are just stunning with sort of off-camera flash and Mm. you know oh but there are couples that want that and there are couples that don't Mm -hmm. want that so there's 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 plenty of sort of you know options for 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 everyone depending on what they want from their wedding but the the people that book me book me because they know that what they're going to get is just a hundred percent natural photos and that's that's why that that conversation up front when they're inquiring with you and having that that and you know initial chat um senior images that's why they've got in contact but it's about being completely honest with them and saying this is exactly what i do and this is what i do really really well i could do some of this for you it's not going to be as good as good as it as as the rest of it however there are other guys who do that far far better if that's what you want I'm not the photographer for you. It's not going to be. Absolutely. It's not going to be good for them, and it's not going to be good for you either. And so, that's just how you have to be. Don't just take the gig because you you got a free date and you'd like the, like the cash in. It's you know, it's about getting up. You know, ideal client is the yeah. You know, I, the right I think word I think what's interesting it. is you know, in, I think in an industry like wedding photography, um, because there's there's so many wedding photographers out there. It's I think it is important to differentiate. Mm. you know your own style from 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 others around you i think that's, yeah you know 
that's definitely important. How did you first um, sort of establish yourself in the in the wedding photography world when you first started? Like from you know when you decided wedding photography was going to be the thing you're going to do. Like what? How did you get started then? So I think I was fortunate that um, I got a few family gigs, which helped to kind of start building portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got a few word of mouth gigs and it then just started. And a, to be honest, a lot of my clients now are word of mouth from previous couples. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done a few sort of Facebook campaigns and sort of had some work come through that, but it's mostly recommendations and word of mouth. Cause I think that is a much stronger way of being advertised when someone verbally recommends you and says, you know, this, this guy shot my wedding, Mm. you know, it, I highly recommend you speak to him. That's going to have so much more weight to it than any award or anything like that. So yeah, most of my stuff now is, is just through sort of word of mouth and recommendations. And I don't do wedding fairs um because i've done them when i was in a wedding band and um you know they're just they're very tiring um <laughs> and uh you know, but but for some people that's like the perfect way for them to get work um but i guess because of the personal nature of this photography the uh the the personal recommendations i think are, are the best way um and i'm not reliant on the wedding photography as, as my sole income. So one a month is, is kind of nice for me because I'm not oversaturating my photography with the wedding work. So when I do a wedding, mm. it's, I'm still sort of fresh and enjoying it. If I was doing those um, wedding photographer, I was talking to a few years ago and she'd done 66 weddings in a year. And mm. that, it just, that would have just absolutely burnt me out and mm-hmm. you know you'd fall you'd fall out of love with doing that so just doing the sort of one a month two a month is is just enough to kind of balance with life and stuff that you still kind of are passionate about it and you look forward to it and mm-hmm. um yeah but it's it's tough and it's been tough um the you know not just the photography industry but life uh, for the last 18 months has been difficult for a, a lot of people. But um, along with a lot of things, the wedding industry has been been a big impact. I was saying to you guys before we started, look, yeah, the wedding I photographed a couple of weeks ago was the first wedding I'd done since, I think, September 2019. So it's been nearly two years since I last did a wedding. Mm. Um, and all of the weddings I had booked in for last year all got moved to this year and then half of them have been moved to next year now. So it's just, um, yeah. Yeah, it's going to take a while for, to settle back down, but, uh, how yeah. did it feel when you, uh, you, you, you got that first gig back? Oh, I was, it was great. I was so looking forward to it and, yeah. um, yeah, sort of trying to just like, I was talking to, um, my my friend about it because he's a, a wedding photographer and he he's had uh, a number of this year so and I was sort of saying I feel nervous you know I feel like mm. this is the first wedding I've ever shot 
I'm checking my camera and making sure that everything's clean and my memory cards are formatted and my cameras are synced up on time and I keep mm. triple checking my bags. I can just see myself, you know, because I've done it for so long. I get to a wedding, and it's like I forgot my 35 millimeter. You know, what am I going to do? Sort of thing. I've only got an 85. Can I shoot an entire wedding with an 85? Um, but once you kind of once it just sort of got started again, it just it just sort of fell into place and um it was great. I absolutely loved it. And um and it was a great wedding to come back to as well because the bride and groom were just they were such nice people, they were proper laid back, everyone was laid back. It it you know, and they were like afterwards, they're like, you know, grab some of the food, take a bottle of fizz with you when you go and mm-hmm. grab some. It, it was the perfect wedding to kind of get back into it. So, yeah, I've got um, a busy few months with weddings, but I'm, yeah, really looking forward to it again. That's why I bring, I take boxes and rucksacks to uh, wedding gigs. Just so I can load up on the food and the <laughs> leftover drink and say, hey, really? I can take a but All right, thank you very much. <laughs> it's funny you say that we... Um, many years ago when I was gigging in wedding bands, we did um, a corporate gig for the Young Farmers Association. And when we were packing up at the end, basically all of their alcohol was in a horse box around the back of the venue of where we were playing, which was right next to our cars. And some of it came home with us. (laughs) But there was so so much. But that was a nightmare gig, so we kind of earned it as well. It reminds me of a story from uh, 15 years ago for me, but I'm not going to say that one on, on air. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. No, no, can't share that one. Oh, you have to now. Nope. No, yeah. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, the one thing I used to like about weddings always was the food. Usually, you know, it's always good. <sighs> I think I disagree. Really? You can't beat a hog roast. Well, right. So exactly. don't get me wrong. <laughs> love a hog roast. But when you, what, so two or three years ago, that it was very on trend to have a hog roast. And every single week, twice a week, it would be, oh yeah, we've got hog roast. We've got hog roast. We've got hog roast. You get really sick of hog roast. Or it's a buffet or whatever it might be. And it's like, oh, oh I'm done. So I end up just bringing my own little bit finger pasta half the time. <laughs> because I mean, I never, I never played weddings. I, I don't think you know. I never played as many weddings as as you play. Yeah, you know, functions yeah. wise, but but yeah, yeah. Well, wedding food. <laughs> well, oh no! Once we got um, every so often they'll they'll put aside um, whatever the guests are having. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, right. Every so often they'll do that, and it's not not always, but once it was a very Clearly, an incredibly expensive wedding. It was in a castle, if I remember correctly, as well. And it was the nicest fillet steak I've ever had. Mm. And they just brought them all that and an extra one. Guess who had the extra one? The cat. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, no, that'll be me. Yeah. Yeah, they are the unicorns of weddings when they sort of go, oh, yeah, we're just going to give you what everyone else is having. And you have like a five course meal. And it's just like, yeah, they're the, they're the special ones. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll be back. <laughs> yeah, especially if you don't have to eat it in the broom cupboard. That always helps. <laughs> you know, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we've been uh, squirreled away in, like, you know, utility cupboards and um, yeah. 
you know kitchens and stuff before and uh, you could just go and eat in the toilet that would be uh that'd be great yeah, yeah we don't want the guests to see you oh okay yeah. Thank you very much. you've got your stale ham sandwich and some crisps <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, God. that happened once that happened once like, yeah yeah we, we've got food for you oh that that's very kind thank you very much thank you very much get there and they've been to you know you, you can go to tesco or you can go to sainsbury's or or, or wherever and just get you know packaged sandwiches yeah. That in itself would probably be bad enough to feed, mm. you know. They weren't that. They were low-end garage sandwiches. Oh, no. Right? And, oh, and a case of very, very warm Coke. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we were. <laughs> no, yeah, you, you know, we should be doing more. We should be doing more, like, food, food photography type of things. What are like the packaged garage sandwiches? So Nick and me did um we did a shoot not too long ago um in a like gastro pub, what you call that? Yep. Restaurant type of thing. And uh the um the food that they brought out to be photographed was insane. Mm-hmm. It was so mm-hmm. good. It was hard to actually photograph it. As pub food, it was sensational. <laughs> yeah, it was really you good. So did you get to uh eat it at the end of the shoot? No, we didn't, because by, by the end it was cold. Unfortunately, we just had like little tastes, and we were rushed. And rushed. we were rushed. Yeah, it was mm. a good thing. But, but yeah, see, can, I haven't eaten dinner yet. Can we not talk about? It? <laughs> yeah, let's stop talking about food. <laughs> we just end up at McDonald's again. It was, oh, that's no. just what's going to happen. Usually happens, or pizza. Yeah. That's the other thing. Oh man. <laughs> so I mean, you mentioned earlier. Um, you mentioned street photography earlier. Um, and how that's you know how that sort of influenced your your wedding style, um, and you also mentioned that you got into street photography initially um, when you felt you needed to to do something about your mental health. Mm-hmm. So how how did photography um, help you at that point? Around about God, I'm trying to work out how old I am now. Too old. Uh, about eight years ago, I think it was, uh, right. at that particular time, um, I was struggling really, really badly with my mental health. I, I'd been diagnosed with clinical depression and anxiety in my early 20s, um, which clinical depression is um, generally depression that's caused by a chemical imbalance. It's not a situational depression. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like any sort of other illness you can sort of take medication for it to kind of sort of counteract it um and you know, have good and bad days and 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 what have you but um it was yeah about eight years ago um was having a particularly bad period of depression and it was around the time that i was going to be made redundant from a job that was pretty much a a major cause of the depression as well Mm -hmm. so things were getting quite sort of um quite full-on and there was a definite moment where I had to decide to do something to address this issue otherwise it was going to end in a bad way so rather than going down that route i managed to um talk to my wife and um some family members um which 
was probably the best decision I ever made. And through talking with them, we managed to sort of address some of the things. And um, it was actually my wife who said, you know, you need to find a new passion and a new creative outlet. I was completely burnt out with music and, um, you know, I'd been doing that as a living and working in a the video games industry, doing music and sound effects and all that kind of stuff. And I was just so done with it, but I'd very much, that had been a massive part of my life. And um, I was like, you need to find something. And I'd kind of always been interested in photography, not seriously, or you know, I'd certainly never had any sort of professional kit or anything like that. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to start looking at photography as a hobby, just as a hobby, just something new and, and learning about it and um, learning the history of it and the, the, the techniques and the technical side of it and um, all that kind of stuff. And that, that really gave me a new focus and that really helped me address uh, my depression and um, gave me a new focus and new goal and, um, like I was saying with the street photography, it, I didn't realize it at the time, but, um, I, I tried therapy and, um, cognitive behavioral therapy and people had talked about practicing mindfulness. And I was just like, I'm just, I'm not interested in that kind of stuff, but I didn't realize that by going out and doing street photography, I was practicing mindfulness and it, just it, it without without sort of being too cliched about it 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 helped me see the world differently and that really changed my outlook on life and um yeah ba basically th there would have been a very good chance I wouldn't be here today if I hadn't of taken up photography um and yeah it's it's through photography, I've met some amazing people. I've I've uh, made some amazing friends in the industry. I, you know, especially lifelong friends. Big shout out to Tommy Reynolds. Um, and uh, I've got to work with some brands and do talks for people. And I've, I've done talks at the photography show. And uh, me and Tommy went to Ethiopia a few years ago, to, and I got to document some of the tribes down in South Ethiopia, which wouldn't have happened if I hadn't have started photography. So. I have a lot that to be thankful for because of photography. So, um, yeah. um, and also I've recently, um, got approached by a charity in New York who, um, they are, they're a blood disorder charity, but they'd had several suicides in their, their charity group over the last 12 months. And they asked me to come and I did a, a three, uh, three dates of a workshop um, with these people to try and get them into photography to see if it could give them the same thing it gave me and sort of, and they sent them out doing street photography and documentary photography around New York and um, the feedback from that's been great. So thinking that possibly I can help other people that have been in a similar position to me by getting them interested in photography and then photography helping them um, is, is you know, incredibly rewarding. And uh, yeah, I'm just grateful for all, all the opportunities that it's brought. You know, when I first read your story, um, I was really quite sort of um, struck by how similar um, your path into photography was from, from my own. 
because um you know i first got into into photography really um in a, in a not too dissimilar situation in the sense that you know 2013 for me was like the annus horribilis basically you know the the year where everything went pear shaped um mm -hmm. you know my dad died um my grandparents died um you know i was they were all living in Germany at the time. And I was like, you know, I kept flying back to Germany in this, like during this year, it was like every time I was like going there for a funeral, you know? And, uh, and then my relationship, my long-term relationship broke up and it was just everything. Like as if somebody had just hit the reset button, I had just decided that my life could not carry on like this, you know, any, any further. And so, you know, I found myself in, um, you know, living in a, in a small place and, uh, you know, coming to terms with everything. And it, there was a point where I remember distinct, distinctly, there was a point where I thought I was starting to show symptoms of depression. And, you know, and luckily, the, you know, there was a moment where I kind of thought, right, I'm, you know, I can see where this is heading. And, um, you know, I sort of went, I need to find, I need to make changes was, was my first instinct. And so, um, I remember I flew back to, to Germany and I you know, hung out with my mom and my mom said, you know, you've always liked taking pictures. You've always been super creative. Why don't you try, why don't you get yourself a really nice camera and see, you know, see how that goes. I mean, the other thing is, um, I'm like a third generation photographer. If you want like my grand, my grandmother was a photographer and then and my dad was, um, shooting, he wasn't a professional photographer, but he was shooting film. Um, and so it was sort of like the logical, the logical choice. And I thought about it for about a second and went, okay, I've got nothing, literally nothing left to lose, <laughs> you know, and I might, I might as well just give it a shot. And, um, and I remember like holding that camera in my hand and thinking, that is it. I'm going to get into this. And then that was that was a very, very slippery slope, especially for my bank account <laughs> at that point, you know, but it was literally, I got, I got totally obsessed with that. And, you know, the, the beautiful thing about it was I kind of thought, well, and much like yourself, you know, I had, um, I had a career in music and I was really coming to the end of my tethers with that because it was getting harder and harder to make a living. And, you know, and I, I was running a, a company at a time, like a, a music, a private music school. And I just decided I had to, get rid of all of that. I had to literally wipe the slate clean and try something different and like, and do something different. And, um, and it was a complete and utter turning point, you know, um, that's led to so many new, you know, acquaintances and friendships and, um, projects and, you know, but my whole life has completely changed. I mean, you know, and uh, eventually, you know, I found, I found my now wife and got, you know, got married and, uh, all, and all of that. Like my, my life now would be totally different, completely different. Had my mom not said at the time, Hey, how about a camera? <laughs> you know, yeah. Literally. And it was a complete turning point. So it's really, it's really interesting, you know, what I can do, what I can do for you and how that can really change your life and, you know, and be extremely beneficial to your emotional state, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I can understand why, I mean, we were sort of joking before about how, um, you know, I tried landscape photography and just, I was rubbish at it. And mm -hmm. so I found it 
boring and stuff, but I can understand the appeal of landscape photography to those that are good at it of, you know, getting your kit ready and maybe some coffee and some food and getting up super early and going to this amazing place and just sitting and waiting and, you know, letting the sun come up and being absorbed in that landscape and, and, Mm. you know, them being rewarded with the perfect image. And I can totally understand why people do it. I just rubbish at it, but you know, whether, whether it is landscape photography or, um, wildlife photography or street photography or documentary photography or or still life photography i mean you know i i am my my wife is a graphic designer and i can't draw a stick man but there's people out there that probably have that urge to be able to create beautiful still life paintings but Mm. can't paint to save their lives but they can do something similar with photography and they can then get absorbed in that whole process of kind of shaping the light. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's consuming. And quite often we need that to take us out because we are absolutely inundated with bad news, social media, you know, um, this pressure of, you know, the Instagram algorithms and things, why aren't posts doing well? So it, it it can just get overwhelming. So we need to kind of just consume ourselves in this sort of this creativity and this, this artistic outlet. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's an extremely powerful medium. And I think, um, yeah. a, and, and I've had a lot of people after I've done talks and stuff come and say, you know, and like you very much did said, you know, I, I started photography for that same reason. I needed something. I needed help, and it's 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 helped me. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's it's a great tool, I think, for 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 a lot of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, one of the most amazing aspects about photography, just like any art form, for me, has always been. It's the same with music. It's always been the you know the realization that you you end up making creating something out of nothing, like this thin air. Before you start making something, there's nothing there, and then you know you put your mind to it. And before you know it, you've created something, whether that's a piece of music or, you know, a photograph or a video, whatever, or painting, you've just created something that just simply didn't exist in the world before you made it. And that's, that's like, that process for me has always been, that's been the thing that's, um, that's really interested me. And it's, it's been the same in music, which is actually incidentally why I've always been extremely rubbish at playing the functions band, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but that's why I spend, you know, I spend my time, um, you know, being a session musician in studios, that's what I love doing because, you know, you rock up, you work on a track, um, you write potentially, you know, and then you, you're involved in the creation process. And when it's done, it's done. Let's, you know, and we can move on to the next thing and then create something new. And that's, that's always been the interesting thing for me. And it's the same with, you know, the same with photography um, in a way. You know, I worked out about myself quite a while ago um, that I n- n- need to always be doing something creative no matter what my day job might have been at the time to have the outlet and that release but on on the side of that i need to be doing create something creative with somebody or other people mm-hmm. wherever possible because doing it as a collaboration my fulfillment out of what it is i'm doing escalates it's tenfold what I, what it would be if I was just doing it on my own. Yeah. That took me a long time to actually realize what was going on. 
in my head. It was only when, um, uh, you know, a few years before um, I left Amazon, I stopped playing in my functions band. Right? Okay. And that's fine. I, you know, it's all, all, all good. But then over the last kind of four years, my role changed at work. It was a role I didn't ever really want to do, but kind of had to do it. Um, I started working from home a lot more for, for back issues and I wasn't gigging either. And it got kind of all came to a head that that's it. I'm going, if, if I don't do something about this now, I'm going to completely implode or go down a very, very, very dark path and it will be very difficult to recover from. So I quit my job, left. Um, I started gigging again. I took a year out of doing any other work and just relax and just try to focus on myself. And then I started teaching music. I then um, got back into doing video again properly and um, got into photography. That's how me and Kirsten met. And it is just snowballed from from there really yeah. the last few years. And it's, a, it's funny how sometimes you have to just take your dramatic action. Like I sold, I sold my school for a pound. <laughs> <laughs> literally, yeah literally yeah I, I had to get rid of it i knew it was again it was a friday these things always happen on a friday really yeah. but um i knew you know uh, i had to get rid of it i had to just do something completely different and um and you know i just i sold it for a pound yeah i found somebody who wanted to carry it on there had to be a transaction I think it was a one pound minimum. That was it. <laughs> it's your Asia. And, and <laughs> you, know? you know, perhaps you're you're similar to me, Kirsten, and uh, um, you know, I, I play things safe most of the time, ninety nine percent of the time, because I like knowing, I like analyzing, and I like knowing what's what before I take action. But there's certain things where I can just keep that that analyzing going on for weeks, months, years, and that's yeah. what I was doing. Death and sometimes it takes that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. It sometimes it takes that moment to go. You know, shove it all away without being ridiculous. Got enough money in the bank to keep me going for a while. What's the worst that could happen? I have to go get another day job. Yeah. Okay. Is that really a big problem in a few months? That I have to need to go and do that. No. Sorry, yeah. I'm going. This is for my own self. This is for myself now. If I if I don't sort this out, my mental health is just going to go to shit. And what's the point in that? <laughs> and I'm useless for everybody. Yeah. I mean, you know, and again, it's like, I say this every week, but you know, and we've talked about this many times on this, on this podcast, but you know, even the, the, the sheer existence of this podcast is a total result of us realizing that we're going slightly insane, <laughs> you know, and that, yeah. um, you know, in the, at the very, very beginning of, of, uh, of lockdown and that we had to do something, we had to take action, we had to do something, um, we had to do something creative, first of all, and also something that gave us some structure you know, through the week, because that was, a, you know, do you remember that, that point where it was like, you know, you didn't even know what day it was anymore and yeah, care even less, you know, at yeah, one point. Yeah. like, you know, and so, um, and, and really this, you know, this has kept us going, you know, the sheer fact that we, you know, we, we said in the beginning, you know, we record an episode every Monday and then we release it every Thursday. And so every week has its structure and you always have something to work towards, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then it's, you know, and now we're still doing it. And it's, that's kind of cool. You know, it's, it started as something that was totally self-therapeutic, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's just turned into something that's, you know, that, that, is, that has just become part of, part of our week. Um, 
And it could have quite easily, it could have been over after four episodes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you're doing better than um, we're doing with the talk pod because I think we've been doing that two years and we've done about 12 episodes. So uh, um, <laughs> we just, well, uh, there's three of us. So it's just trying to pin okay. three pe- three working photographers down to, to do an episode. And one's in Newcastle and one's down in Kent and I'm in Leicester. And so it has to all be done online and, yeah. Um, yeah, we're just a bit rubbish with our podcast. So, what do you think? I mean, you know, the thing about the thing about frequency is we we just I mean we didn't know anything. We did, we knew zero about how to podcast. Like we didn't even know where where podcasts even lived. You know, and who knows that? <laughs> like how yeah. do you like how do you how do you get into iTunes? I have no idea. <laughs> anyway, so you know, and we just decided we're just we're just going to figure it out along the way. Um, and so you know, and yeah, you this a set of questions you can ask yourself at the beginning is like, how long should it be? What should we talk about? And how often should we make an episode? Mm-hmm. You know, and we'll just literally just picked. Okay, well, I think in the beginning we were uh, quite ambitious. <laughs> in that we said that, oh, it should be an hour long. That's never happened. <laughs> very no. rarely, very rarely. No. Um, but you know, we went like, oh well, I guess I guess every week is that what is that what you do? Like every week? Okay, let's do that. You know, and I um, think I think for people like us, it needed to be every week. Oh, if, at the time, if, yeah, if, yeah. if we said okay. monthly, we would have got <sighs> your diary fills up. You're not as disciplined with it. At least if you know it's every single week, they're close enough together to go. That's just a thing that I do. Are they are week. they close enough together to leave the set set up though? No, no. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> <Dad>. <laughs> you might have to look into getting a, an actual podcast studio space. Well, hired out and when this podcast and... starts bringing in money i may consider it until you know you've point. made it when you make money from a podcast yeah Absolutely. well there's that yeah there's that <laughs> to uh, all of our listeners if you're interested this 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 podcast has yeah. literally made zero sense yeah. <laughs> since we said yeah. literally zero <laughs> but we, that's not why we're doing it so. we would like a dedicated room please yes if you are interested <laughs> in sponsoring show please get in touch <laughs> <laughs> Now, I mean, you know, uh, it was literally, like I said, you know, it was uh, for us, it was just simply finding something um, that would allow us to create, to create something, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and we just, you know, we just thought, well, you know, we're talking about photography every day, all day, pretty much anyway. So, you know, there must be some nerd out there who's interested in listening <laughs> to yeah. that. So, you know, um, and that's been, that's been really good. It really did help us. Um, to get through the worst of the the whole pandemic and the, and the lockdown and everything else, mm-hmm. um, for one, it, you know, like I, like I say, often it gave a structure. But the other thing was also that it took, I think, for me especially, I mean, it took my mind off of the really dark side of of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's easy to get drawn into the worrying part. You know, yeah. what about you know what about our health? What about our jobs? What about our kids? You know, once you start going down that road, you know that's that's in, that's a slippery road, basically. Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. Well, when for me, when lockdown kicked in, like my work just fell off a cliff. It, like literally on the twenty whatever it was of March last year, that was it. Just the diary just emptied, mm. um, and my daughter was. 18 months old at the time and all the nursery shut. Uh, but my wife could keep working because she was freelance designer. Mm-hmm. So it made complete sense for me to just become 
a full-time dad mm-hmm. and that's that's what I did and it was it was quite a shock going from being you know a working parent to a full-time parent overnight and I could see it being like you were saying there's potential for it to have a real negative impact because so much bad stuff was going on so I made myself do at least one documentary photo of that day with my daughter Mm. to give me a reason to pick up the camera because I probably if I hadn't done that I probably wouldn't have picked up a camera for like six months and I didn't want to lose that and so I you know the camera lived on my on the mantelpiece above the fire and as we were doing stuff every day I would aim to take one good storytelling documentary photo of of what we did that day and what life was like Um, because ultimately she's not going to remember that you know she's only 18 months old and you, you, we had to adapt because we couldn't, I couldn't take her to places because everywhere was shut. And then we had good days and we had bad days. And one of my favorite photos of her is she's lying on the sofa in a t shirt and a nappy with one sock on with her head underneath a pillow. And it's like that <laughs> sums up yeah. lockdown for me. Um, yeah. But I did it and I ended up doing, um, I've I've not got round to it, but I'm going to produce a book for her. And it's basically 50 days of lockdown. And it's the first 50 days that we spent as a family sort of cocooned in this, in in our house. And um, yeah, again, if I hadn't have done that, there's a very good chance it just, the world would have imploded and stuff. But giving myself a creative task every day, really help sort of maintain just some sort of positivity in 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 what was just an absolute shit show of a year yeah (laughs) Yeah. i mean i had you know i had a similar idea at the very 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 beginning of lockdown especially sort of in the days leading up to the first full-on lockdown you know when um when you know when covid numbers were going through the roof and uh every everything was starting to, to look pretty abysmal um and I kind of thought, this is such a unique time in our life as a family that uh, I need I need to find a way to document that somehow. Mm-hmm. Because, and of course, at the time, nobody knew how long this was going to last. You know, was it going to be a couple of weeks? You know, was it going to be six weeks, a couple of months? You know, and I remember like when this started in like March, April, you know, we had like, we had flights booked to see family in Canada uh, in August. And I remember saying like, ah, by August, ah, come on, of course we're going, you know, <laughs> it's not going to be over by then. Yeah. yeah. You know, when August came along, it was like, uh, how ridiculous <laughs> thought even was, you know, and now we're a year later and I'm still not going because I still stick out. But so, you know, at the time I thought, you know, I want to make like a, almost like a vlog type of documentary type of video type of a thing. Um, and so I decided that the first thing I would do would be um so i've got three kids i would sit my wife and and my kids down and i would film them and interview them about how they were feeling at the time this is the very very beginning um of the very first lockdown and so i wanted to capture what was going through their minds you know the fears the worries the questions you know um because i thought 
it'd be interesting to have that as a reference point because you don't know how the land lies like six months down the line, you know, whether <laughs> we all gotten used to it or whatever. And so it'd be interesting to see what our initial what our initial starting position was, you know. And so I figured probably, you know, my worries might be different from my wife's and they're certainly different from my teenage stepdaughter and they're certainly different from my, at the time, eight-year-old, eight-year-old daughter, you know. And I shot those interviews. Um, and I remember like sitting down the next day to edit them and I couldn't, you know. And so I thought about it for a few days and I kind of thought, you know, this is too hard. This is too hard. I can't do it. Um, and those files have been sitting on my hot drive ever since. Right. Yeah, it was too horrible. I just couldn't, like, it was so, um, it was, yeah, it was way too hard. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to do it. And so, you know, we did, like, we did, um, we did a little bit of a, of a blog afterwards, like just my wife and I, and then we realized that it was so negative, you know, um, that we figured, you know, maybe this isn't the right thing for us to do. Maybe we need to like focus on something positive here, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? And so we sort of been that idea, <laughs> but you know, that's fine. I mean, you know, and it may be interesting, maybe in like in years to come, I might come back to that. Um, but it was just, it became very clear that whereas I thought that us as my wife and I as adults, you know, I thought like, okay, we're worrying about these things, you know, blah, blah. But you know, when, when, uh, when I realized that, you know, even my, eight-year-old daughter had a full grasp of the situation. Mm. I kind of thought, shit, okay, I'm going to have to focus on cheering everyone up. <laughs> you know, it's like, this is not good for us actually doing this. So, you know, so it was interesting, but uh, yeah, I was, was doomed to fail. <laughs> at that point. It's so, and then we started to do lots of fun stuff, you know, so it was different. But it's, it's interesting how, like, that kind of reaction to you doing the documentary was it's like a default coping thing to the situation i was reading i can't remember the, the, the photographer's name but he his daughter uh he basically documented um his his daughter's cancer journey with it ending with her dying and you know, he photographed the whole journey and that's, it, it was clear that was how he was going to cope with it because it almost, it takes you out of it on a personal level. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, for some people, it's like the, the last thing I, I would want to do if I was in that situation is, is pick up a camera. Mm. But for, for some people, it's like it's it's the best way that they can yeah. still be involved, but can handle it a bit better. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if some of that was just it's sort of a way to, yeah, still be involved, but put a little bit of distance between arm's length reality of of Mm. the situation but then when you actually come to watch it you're just like actually you know i need to put the camera down and that that's that's the important thing is knowing when to put the camera down as much yeah exactly absolutely i just then you know i I just i proceeded with annoying everyone by you know putting everyone (laughs) in front of you know under under some lights in front of a background 
<laughs> taking copious amounts of portraits, <laughs> you know, until everybody yeah. had enough of that. <laughs> so, you know, but my, my situation was a bit different than what you guys were in because I live on my own. Mm. Um, you know, I, I literally didn't leave the house for three months, pretty much, and saw almost nobody other than work that was happening over Zoom and stuff like that. And I'd jump on and see friends on, on Zoom and do all of that kind of stuff just to try and keep in contact. But um, because I, I literally had no human contact, it it has a weird effect on mm. you. And you don't even necessarily know it's happening. It just, you suddenly kind of realise one day, my God, what has happened to me? It was months later that it only kind of clicked that I need to do something positive every day to kind of stop all of that creeping in again as the the months and months went on. So, so my approach was different. I set myself a little, a little mini project to leave the house every single day, whether it's during the day or at night, and go and take a photo or a handful of photos in the little village that I live in. That was it. And I would force myself to post that on Instagram, um, just because you know some friends and family that would see that, and they'd hold me accountable to to, to doing it as well. So I'd make sure that I would go out and I would do that every single day and I'd enjoy where I live because where I live is, it's, it's beautiful, right? It's a stunning little place and why not go out and enjoy it? So that's, that was my approach. That was my approach. And that month I did that, I felt 10 times better. As soon as I stopped doing that, didn't feel so good again. Yeah. Funny. Funny how it affects you, you know, yeah. being on your own or not doing something creative more to the point. Yeah. yeah but again you know the camera giving you that that tool to find uh, a, a positive act um yeah. and sort of getting you to go out and engage with civilization after um three months uh, sort of entombed in your house so yeah you know it's yeah it's because it's just it's such a powerful thing just to kind of just to go out and take photos and I think one of the critical things is to take the photos for you. If you yeah. go out and you're taking photos and you're constantly thinking, how will other people Absolutely. think of this image on Instagram? Is it going to get enough likes? Yeah. Should I do something else? Should I go for you know teal and orange? Everything needs to be <laughs> you know this way or or you know. Um, whatever it is you the, if the more you think about how other people look at your photos the less you'll enjoy it but if totally you're going it, and if, if if you take a beautiful photo that's for you you don't have to put it out on social yeah. media hmm. and absolutely so, you know yeah i 100 percent I agree with you 100 percent agree with you the reason i i posted those particular ones every day and it was always at about the same time as well, is that I knew friends and family would wait for that to arrive because they want to see it. They want to see that I've done it, that I'm going out and I've, I've done what I'm doing. And they would, they'd ping me, go, six o'clock, come on, where yeah. is it? Where is it? I want to see it. Then they were just dying mm. to see it. It was irrelevant about what they actually thought. Of. I couldn't care less about what they actually thought about the photo. But and you'd probably be surprised how much it helped them as well, having that right. consistency. I mean, I did the same with um, the the pictures I took of my daughter, and like 
her grandparents seeing these images every day because they weren't getting to see them. It helps them as as well. And yeah. you just, like you say, it, you don't know how much of an impact it could have. Um, but no, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's great listening to your stories and just sort of the, you know, the... the do you, know, do you know what I'm finding most interesting here is that we've all got a little bit of a different story, but there's a, a similar thread in the, um, how not being creative or how being isolated or and whatever that might be has a very negative impact on our lives and how, how we actually are. And we're free, you know, unconnected people, so to speak. And mm. we're all in the same world. So if three of us who have just got in a room together are feeling like that and have been feeling that way, I'm pretty sure most people out there are as well, you know, and not enough people talk about it or are, or if they do, they're not as candid about it as they probably could be. Mm-hmm. And the more open you are about it, the frankly, the better I feel when I talk about it. Yeah. You know, I automatically feel better about it. And it's just, you know, when was it? Um, August, maybe? August, when we were about to go into lockdown two, the second one? Yeah, it's October. October, yeah. yeah. We we did, an, we did a special episode where we got on um, uh, some previous guests. In fact, wasn't Tommy yeah. and Hannah on yeah, that? To, yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, mm. so, so Tommy and Hannah joined us on that one mm-hmm. as well. We did, yeah, uh, we, we spoke to all of them individually and then put together as a separate video on, um, as an episode of things that people can focus on and do to help them get through the next lockdown as a creative was mm-hmm. the kind of general principle yeah. behind it. And that was, was probably my favorite thing that we've done. Uh, you know, to, I think it was, a, yeah, there was at a time when, you know, we'd like, we had, we'd had the first lockdown and then things were opening up again throughout the summer. And I think, you know, in like July, August, I think most people's attitude was like, okay, well it's getting better. So we know we're going to be out like this light at the end of the tunnel and, we're coming out of it. Um, and then of course when you know when September hit and schools started up again and then you know everything went you know went back through the roof and then it was like okay well we're gonna have to have another lockdown and I think it's a bit of a shock to a lot of people um especially a lot of people that that, that we spoke to at a time and we kind of just figured you know well how about how about we'll just talk to we'll, you know we'll get we'll get some people together We'll talk about some tips as to how you can deal with this impending second lockdown, you know, in terms of business and mentally and, you know, all the rest of it. Um, if maybe we can draw on some on some lessons that we've learned from the first lockdown and also, you know, just by talking about it, maybe somebody's got some glorious idea that I hadn't thought of, <laughs> you know, and then when you go, and somebody goes like, oh yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to do this. And you go, oh yeah, mm. that's a really good idea. <laughs> we should do the same thing. You know, and so I, there was like, sort of in, in the hope that there'd be some valuable um, information or tips, you know, for, for listeners out there that, you know, would help them get through the the next phase of that. Of course, I mean, little did we know that we then going to, we were going to go into <laughs> lockdown number three, which would last absolutely <laughs> flipping forever. <laughs> yeah, I think um, if past me had had a conversation with present me about... Mm what lockdown was actually going to entail. Um, I think I would have gone crazy a long, long time ago. Um, it's, it's certainly been um, unprecedented 
what what's happened and um but we're still here that's the main thing yeah. um and yeah still still helping and and still sort of you know doing our thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're talking about that actually we haven't mentioned your um your uh portraits of mental health project mm. um yet so that's you know i was going to obviously talk to you about that it's a very long introduction to that <laughs> but that's really i mean that's something that's a really interesting portrait project that, that you started of course i mean long before mm. the pandemic actually hit yeah so i started it so i had the idea for it in 2018 and i actually managed to get around to starting it in 2019 and actually managed to get a few portraits in like maybe two weeks before lockdown and then the project's been absolutely shelved up until you know we can do this again um but yeah i was i was just having um just as we've sort of talked just thinking about what photography has done for me was there something that i could do with photography to kind of give back and and help other people mm. and um, so portraits of mental health is basically it's it's an ongoing project and it's um, mixing the sort of the love of documentary photography, but also with portrait photography um, to share the stories of um, these amazing people who have very bravely agreed to share their very personal stories with me and also allow me to take their photo getting one, them to do one or the other is 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 hard enough but getting them to tell their story and take their portrait um but it's it's about trying to raise awareness of all the different types of mental health because when people think mental health they think depression anxiety that's like the go-to things but it's it's so much more far-reaching than that there's so many other areas i mean i can't list them all but you know you've got ptsd adhd there's body dysmorphia there's um eating disorders there's you know with that there's anorexia there's uh bipolar disorder there's, there's there's hundreds of different types of mental health issues that i think we are doing better as a society i think than we were five years ago but I think there's still a lot more we can do to just be aware of of this. But it's also about trying to break down the the labels and the stereotypes of these mental health issues, and to kind of dr draw the attention to these people that, if you were to look at their photo, you wouldn't know their mental health story and that's the point and it's it's hopefully eventually going to be a great collection of people from all sorts of different walks of life different religions cultures places you know um to show that mental health it it affects people from everywhere and it's really interesting hearing different people from different backgrounds and cultures about how their perhaps religion um 
deals with mental health problems and how much mm -hmm. it can actually be supportive. Um, I did, uh, one of the people from the project, Mariam, um, talked about how Islam has been a big help for her. She's not a devout um, practicer and she's but she she takes what she needs from it and um yeah it's eventually the goal would be to create enough images and stories to put together a book that could then be published and sold with the proceeds going to mental health charities and that for me would be a complete full circle of the sort of photography journey for me for what it gave me to then using it to then give back to charity to that then help other people and if mm -hmm. they use that then to maybe put cameras in people's hands to help them with their mental health would would be amazing so that eventually that's that's kind of the big ambition but it's had a massive sort of um you know uh, smack to the sort of side of the road over the last 18 months because we've just not been able to get these people mm. in the room but I've, I've got several brilliant people signed up I'm trying to get um some celebrities involved as well to kind of showcase that you know like I say it's even though they're celebrities it doesn't mean that everything's roses and yeah. um that people can share how they cope with it and how they deal with it and then someone will listen and go that story sounds just like me that sounds like what I'm going through um I'm not alone there are people who understand what how I'm feeling and I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to someone I'm going to find someone to talk to and and get help and you know yeah just just to really sort of just remove that whole sort of the stigma of it and just kind of show that like I mean we've all talked openly today about our own mental health journeys and we're just three regular guys you know we're just but so it's there's, there's, it shouldn't be a taboo subject it certainly shouldn't be a taboo subject for men and that's the thing that i found the most it's been men have been the least open to being involved with the project yeah and that's a concern because statistically suicide is the biggest killer of men under 40 more than anything else and it's like it's madness because the stuff that we can do that doesn't involve any sort of medical research and stuff to help these people just by just by talking and 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 supporting them it, it really is just as simple sometimes as just kind of going i've not heard from so and so for ages he seemed a bit a little bit off the other day I'm going to give them a call. That call could save that person's life. It can be as simple as that, but there's just there's there's more we can do. There really is. Um, so I'm I'm hoping that the project will just highlight these people and their amazing stories and just how normal and regular people they are. Um, and then hopefully that will inspire others and help others and um, yeah, make the world a better place. Absolutely. <laughs> I absolutely love the idea of this project, and to, to not only to share the, the the stories of those people, but to combine that with a portrait, which shows that, as as you say, just a, a you'd never know 
that there was a there's a the mental health story behind that face it it, it holds so much weight for me to to show that um side by side but you know certainly over the last 18 months um just to tie in a few different things that you've you've said there me and my friends my male friends uh have kind of naturally become more open about talking about this kind of thing and we've, we found out stuff about each other the last couple of years that perhaps we didn't know before and that's been it's been eye-opening and it's given us a totally different understanding of each other and how to approach certain things with each of us as well and we're just all gel just even better than we ever did before right and a lot of that development has happened since um covid here right so I guess one of my questions for you would be is, do you anticipate being able to get people involved actually slightly easier now, particularly men, given that I suspect if I and my friends have become slightly more open about talking about these type of things, given the situation last 18 months, most or other people out there have probably been very similar, hopefully. Do you think that's going to help, help kind of push your project along? Do you know, that hadn't dawned on me at all, but I, I think it will. I think people will be more open about sharing their story now, especially men. Um, mm. And yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's um, Hopefully it will get more people involved. Um, I hope so. I yeah, really do. Really, really do. Because this is something, I, I'm really behind this. Like, this makes so much sense to me to do this. And um, you know, certainly if there's anything that we can do to help support that project and, you know, drive it along and, or whatever we can do to, to help out, oh, we would absolutely be on board with that. Definitely. Oh, I, I'm I speaking really for you here. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, know, I know exactly <laughs> what you'd sure. say as well. <laughs> of course, yeah. Yeah. No, I think the, the, the big thing for me, I've got really, really good support with Sony who, um, I've been working with sort of for a couple of years as, um, one of their alpha creators, which is like their unofficial mm-hmm. ambassadors. And they've been really, really good in giving me a platform to do yeah. talks and, and to sort of tap into this. Um, the The thing that I I really, really want to do is connect with a charity, and, you, know, the, the, a, you know, a big national charity, something like Mind or, um, you know something along those lines that could then get behind the project because once they're behind the project they've got doors they can open that i'm struggling to open and having a a a charity like mind or mental health foundation or someone like that then adds weight and gravitas to the project and people are then more likely to get involved Mm. and potentially then that's when you can tap into um people in the sort of the celebrity world and once they're involved that adds more weight and gravitas and the like i say i'd i'd love a hundred portraits of and a hundred stories of um a real mix of people from all sorts of places and and famous people or regular people like you and you and i and um people who uh, religious people, non-religious people, uh, you know, it just just a huge, just uh, smorgasbord of 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 just people that just regular society that that all share 
a common connection with having a, a mental health issue, but a story that goes with it. Um, so yeah, that, if you if, if you know anyone in mind or uh, any any other charities or anything like that who kind of um, yeah, you can introduce me to that would be great. Um, we'll do our best, but perhaps we've got <laughs> someone listening um, who's involved. You never know. Yeah, yeah, no, that'd be great. But it's it's definitely it's um, hopefully in the next six months we're going to sort of kickstart it again and um, yeah, just keep keep driving it forward and I keep sort of messaging people that um you know want to be involved and have a story to share and um some some are just like some of them are like I say just the fact they're prepared to share their story um I'm hopefully going to have um uh, uh father and daughter who were at the Ariana Grande Manchester bombing. Oh right, and uh, thankfully survived. But through their experience, both of them suffered with PTSD. Hmm. So they've now set up a PTSD charity, and it's like th- that's the kind of story. It's 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 finding that positive hmm. in a negative environment, and and sort of thinking, what can I do? Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's loads of people and everyone's just got an amazing story. Um, and it doesn't have to be a huge story. Just, just sharing an experience yeah. is just do as powerful. You, um, do you, do you, uh, do you intend to put your, your a self-portrait and your story in there? I thought about it and I've, I've chatted this over with a few people and I've decided not to because I don't want the project. It's I, I, like, it's about them. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm the photographer, you know, but the stories are about them. And I think if I then put myself in that, it kind of, I don't know, I, it, the, the, the project, the book, everything, it needs to be about these people. Um, but interestingly, talking with another photographer who's doing something similar but on on wet plate photography which is like wow that's like black magic kind of photography um that potentially we're going he's going to photograph me for his project and i'm going to photograph him for for my project but um when that happens i don't know with with everything going on but um yeah i'd 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 really like to see this project sort of through to to the end goal and, 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 and get all these, these, these pictures out there. Just out of interest, are you doing all the portraits in a similar style in this or a straight same style or are they just whatever kind of makes sense at the time? Yeah, no, I kind of, again, what I kind of decided. So all the portraits are black and white, mainly because I love black and white photography, uh, mainly because it's, um, sometimes color photography can be distracting from the subject that you're trying to convey mm-hmm. black and white photography is also incredibly flattering and i'm photographing people that are not well so anything that i can do to obviously um 
produce a, a, a complementary portrait because I want them to be happy with the portrait as well. If it's going to get shared in the book and what have you, I want them to be happy with it. Um, and normally we do the photos. After, so all, all of the photo shoots um, also have a video interview of them telling their story. And then I get them to write up their story themselves because I think it's important that it's done in their words so that when it's with their image in the book what you're reading is is their voice it's not me interpreting it um so normally after that there's normally been tears between them and me and the cameraman and what have you so black and white photography I think is a great way of photographing them in an incredibly flattering way um but I also want the portraits to be consistent so that there's no kind of um unintentional favoritism or or anyone perceived sort of favoritism so everyone is shot in the same light it's just single light in in sort of butterfly setup it's on a gray background and they will all aesthetically look the same so that people realize that these you know we're all the same really um it also makes it easier that we can shoot in pretty much any location with a pop-up background and, and, and a light. Um, there's no retouching on the skin or anything like that. Again, because it's because some of the subjects we talk about is like body positivity and body dysmorphia. Um, mm. You know, the, these are very much apart from the aesthetic editing of the black and white and, and stuff like that. You know, we don't do retouching because we need to be promoting natural sort of looks and um things like that so yeah there's the portrait is about the emotion and the character within it as opposed to the technical side of it and um i didn't want people to get distracted and thinking oh how many lights does he use to get that i can see a hair light and a rim light yeah it's just like no 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 just just you know focus on this this person look at their eyes tap into that that emotional connection that's what the the portrait is about um and yeah ev everyone will look the same in terms of, of of images um but it will be their their character and in, in that portrait that will separate them from each other yeah you know it's, it's funny isn't it that people could pick up a book like this and they go wow what stories what fantastic photos they won't necessarily pick up on your reasoning behind doing the photos in a certain way no but i think i think that's really important to hear and for people to understand that you've chosen to do it in black and white you've chosen not to retouch you've chosen to do this chosen to do that for very good not just because that's how you like it to look mm. it's very very particular it's very intentional to do it that way to back up the message you're trying to share. And uh, uh, oh, again, absolutely love the idea of the project and even more oh, now thank you. you've, you've described the the idea about how you're going about the portraits as well. Oh, thank you. No, I really appreciate it and really appreciate um, getting to chat to you guys about it and, you know, whoever hears it, maybe someone, someone will get involved or, or, will check out the project and and they'll get something from just seeing these stories and yeah just the the more we can kind of sort of push it out there and um yeah get people seeing it the better i think
So if you do want to get involved in this project, then you can get in touch with us here at Camera Shake Podcast and we can forward that on to you. Um, mm -hmm. That'd be the easiest thing. So you can email uh, camerashakepodcast at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram or send us a Facebook message or tie a piece of paper to a pigeon's foot. <laughs> that's, that, that's what that, you want to do. That is my preferred way. Or works for um, us. They can go to um, portraitsofmentalhealth.co.uk, where they can um, they can see the the portraits and the the videos of the people we've shot so far, and and message me this way. But a, a, a pigeon or a, a brick through the window with a note tied to it is fine as well. <laughs> Excellent. Do you have um Do you have sort of a, an end date um in mind with this with this project? I think when when we when we have enough content, I think mm. um, I kind of plucked a hundred out of the air because it, it felt like if I could have fifty men and and, and fifty women or, or however we divide it up, um, you know that that I think that's a nice number of people. We might not get to that. We might only get forty or fifty, or I don't know. Um, but yeah, I guess and, until. I'm at a point where I'm talking and working with a charity and a potential publisher, then we sort of will we'll have a better idea. But in the meantime, like I say, I'm going to be updating the website every time there's a new portrait and, and story. And, and basically the content that is on that website will eventually become the book. Um, so rather than sort of uh, if people sort of think they've got to wait until this book's published you know they, they can go on the website now and and start see looking at the portraits and um i try and sort of i i if from every session i normally work with the person uh but i kind of sort of say you know out of all the images we've done for me this is the one that i think best sort of portrays you and they might agree or disagree but we kind of work together and then we kind of we decide on a but ultimately I want them to pick I kind of I, I put my personal choice as, as just to, to help them but I want them to pick the portrait they think represents them mm -hmm. um, best uh, and then that's kind of like their main image but then on the, the the post on the website, I normally include sort of three or four other images from the session mm. because it's great seeing them go through like, you know, pulling funny faces and laughing. And mm -hmm. I, I want people to look and go, oh, God, he, just, he, he, he looks happy. And it's like, yeah, you know, people with depression can laugh and they can be happy, but it doesn't mean they're okay. Um, I think the, the, one of the biggest people i think examples of that it's like robin williams you know right. he he when you think of look back now you know you could think well maybe that you could start to actually go actually yeah you can maybe see something but his 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 mask was was comedy and humor and, and laughter and smiling and stuff like that but he obviously had a lot more going on inside and yeah i think ju just because someone's laughing doesn't mean they're okay um and so yeah so I, I, li I like to throw in some extra images of them just to kind of show them in in different sort of things if i've caught them off guard or or um something like that so alex thank you so much for being on the show today it was an absolute education it was super awesome to um you know to listen to you talk about 
you know, your past and um, your, your mental health and also, you know, your project. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the show. And I'm pretty sure we're going to be having you back um, sometime later on this year. Maybe that'd be amazing to, uh, to talk to you about how you're progressing with that. Yeah. Yeah, no, thank you so much, guys. I've really, really enjoyed chatting with you. And uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about the project. And uh, yeah, just hit me up whenever whenever you need a guest. Uh, I'd love to come back. And like I say, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll catch up in person um, as soon as we can. Excellent. And, you know, latest, we, just, we were just talking about this off air. We will be seeing each other at the photography show later on in September this year. So if you are in the UK and, um, you know, you you feel ready to go out by September, you know, mm -hmm. come and hit us up at the photography show. We should be lingering or loitering <laughs> for a good few days there. It <laughs> should be good. Um, and Alex is going to be there as well. And some of our former guests uh, will yeah. be there. So I think Tommy's going to be there. Um, yeah. And I'm sure there'll be an opportunity to uh, to meet uh, quite a few people and have a chat, have a drink, and it'll be awesome. Absolutely now, that awesome. being said, we have come to the end of episode 64. That's the Camera Check podcast for you this week. Uh, again, remember, if you are listening to our sultry voices on the audio version of this uh, podcast, you do have the opportunity to head over to YouTube where you can see us in full Technicolor. And whilst you're there, make sure you hit the subscribe button, hit that bell, uh, leave us a comment. We got some really super awesome comments uh, on last week's episode. That's always fun. But that being said, it's episode 64. See you next Thursday. Mm -hmm.